and obviously I'm a trans woman living in Nigeria, which is like, like it's, it's a crazy navigation. When we are going in desert, we walk for good six hours. My leg was strong. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lay of the Land. There are large disparities on how many Nigerians live in the diaspora. According to a PwC report, official figures from 2017 state that 1.24 million Nigerians live in the diaspora, a figure that's believed to be far higher now. But some figures state that as many as 5 to 15 million Nigerians live abroad. But whatever the figure is, many Nigerians live in the diaspora and day by day, more people contribute to the Japa wave. This is essentially the wave of Nigerians leaving the country hoping for better lives abroad. But it doesn't always work out as planned and some people have found themselves back at home. Like Lordson, my guest on the podcast today. I moved to London um, in 2006. Um, I had just graduated from the seminary at the time. I was supposed to uh, go straight to the uni, but I just met um, a friend. I just came across a friend and he insisted, oh, let's go. I was a young guy, so I was willing to explore, you know, the adventure and all that. So it was very attractive. So I actually went and got a job. I was working, you know, life was it was decent, all right. But the thing is, as time went by, you want more. You want more. And then the the walls and the ceilings that has been placed above you by the society becomes more and more obvious. It's like the um the UK society is more like for an immigrant. It's like you are in this transparent ball. You can see all these beautiful things, but there is a limit to how much of them you can touch. Yeah. So, and with that, if if you have ambitions, it becomes really troublesome because if you have dreams, your dreams can only get louder and louder inside you. As you grow older. But you can only reach so far. Yeah, and it becomes really tormenting. So you have to seek for a way out. So, I mean, I'm a Nigerian. Nigeria is a big place. <laughs> so, so, man, I'm coming right back home. <laughs> Nigeria is a big place. So I just had to make the decision and come back. Okay, let's start with why you decided to go to the UK in, in the first place. What were you hoping life in the UK was going to be like? Well, I was um, I was supposed to continue my studies there, but um, you know, at the time, prior to uh, when we went, you could go with a visitor's visa and stay over there and change it to a student visa. So when we got in, we were the, like the unlucky badge. So when we got in, the conservative government came into power. And you know they <laughs> they are really really hard on mm-hmm. immigrants. So they sort of uh, changed that. You you now have to go back to your um to your home country to apply for a student visa to come back. But only few people are willing to do that, and you know that takes a lot of money. Yeah. So um I didn't I didn't take that route. 
So you just stayed on your visitor's visa? Yes, it expired. And um, there was this, there was this other, you know, ways you could do it. Like um, um, through uh, the dependency stuff, you know, through the EU back, you could do it from there. I did it. And when, when you make an application to the home office, they give you like um, paper to show, okay, you've made so-so-and-so application. So that paper allows you to move around work and so on and so forth. So my application took a very long time for, uh, for, it, for me to get an answer. And um, through that period of time, you always have immigration always coming to my workplace not 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 just me they usually do this it's like a routine patrol what you have here with the police so they go to you know workplaces and especially target people who are you know earning some certain amount above some certain amounts which they think maybe should go to their people or people who are very very legal mm. do you understand so um, they kept coming and they kept disturbing. So um, it got to a point, it became not only embarrassing, it became very irritating, yeah. you know, for someone who's got a home. <laughs> so it became very irritating. And um, I just thought, I weighed my options. Time was going. I had not, I I wanted to get... Um, a degree at the time, but I couldn't do it. Did you work? Yes. You, okay. Of course, I was working. Yeah. They were coming to my workplace to disturb me. Ah. Yes. Yes. So, um, I wanted to get a degree, but I couldn't do it there because of my immigration status. And um, I weighed my options and I had to do what I thought was best for me. So, what was the getting a job process also also like for you as an immigrant? You know, at the start of this, you described it as being in this transparent ball and mm. you can only, you can see all these amazing things, etc. but you can only reach so far. What was that process like? And also getting a job, you weren't getting a job on a visitor's visa. You were now someone's no. dependent, mm. right? So mm. what was all of that like? And what, what was the job as well? <laughs> you know, um, you know, there are rules and there are always exceptions to those rules and in um in a, the way this society is structured, there is always a back way around just about everything. So um I had never worked a day in my life before I went to the UK. <laughs> I had never worked a day. I didn't know how to get a job, but I was lucky I had the excitement of youth. I was I was willing and anything is anything. Mm. So um, I tried I tried different things, went to different places. I did some security job. I was so, I looked so young. I don't even think mm -hmm. the people respected me as a security guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was so young. Uh, and um, I think that was the next SX. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I went to Dagenham, Dagenham East okay. first. It was too white for me. Really? I needed brothers. <laughs> I needed <laughs> I needed brothers at the time it was too so I, I always think there are loads of Nigerians in Dagenham. 
Yeah, now people yeah. started moving outside London. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, people started but, but talking about at, 06. Yeah, mm-hmm. at the time, it was just it was just very few. Yeah. And while we were going to Dagnam, I went through went through Tottenham, went through uh, Seven Sisters, yeah. and it was summer. I loved what I saw. You know, it was beautiful. Lots of winter hadn't come yet. Nope. <laughs> no winter. It was it was a beautiful summer. I mean, it could be day up to like eleven o'clock for that year. So I was very lucky. And I saw lots of black people and the streets were bubbling. I'm like, this is where I wanna be. <laughs> so um I think I paid for a house. You know how they pay weekly? Yes. For a, for a house. So I paid for two weeks, but I think I only stayed there for like three days I had to go so I asked my friend the place we went through you know to take me back to Seven Sisters so he took me back there and I met with uh, lots of Nigerian guys and then they they teach you what to do how to <laughs> how to go you about the ropes. <laughs> yeah you know so they what did they you teach you well <laughs> a lot of good things and a lot of bad things oh yeah now that's your book <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing was you could get any passport you want to work. You can get your national insurance. You can get any passport you want to work yeah. as by like through marriage. No. What are the, what no. are the means now? <laughs> no, I mean, there, there are those other ways yeah. you could uh, get, you know, legit passports, you know, for legit purposes. Yeah. There are other ways... Those other passports you can get for certain purposes, like the fake ones. Okay. They look very real. Okay. They have everything you need, you know, to get a, to get a job. So they teach you those things. They also tell you where you can get a job. You know, they pay you cash without going through all those processes and without the banking system, taxation, <laughs> the excessive taxation. So they teach you all those things and also teach you how to. Um, you know, hustle on the street, like, you know, not not necessarily selling drugs, but they teach you that one as well. What was all of that like for you? Like your eyes then being opened up to this? It was full of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> I could be very adventurous as well. So, so are there many groups of people like that abroad in places like the UK that when other immigrants are coming in, they, in quotes, teach them the ropes or they show them the ropes, rather, when it comes to surviving in that particular country and basically doing whatever you have to do to sort of stay there and make it work? I mean, there are always people who are willing to teach, but, you know, um, I'm an Igbo guy. Mm. I have an Igbo background. And Igbos, um, they know how to network with yeah. each other. So... We may over here, when, or when we go home, we may say, oh, that guy is from Abia, or that guy is from Anambra, or that guy is from Imo State. But when we meet ourselves outside here, man, it's all the same purpose, man. We're here for the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we have each other's back, you know. So it was a uh, lot of the Igbo brothers. And like I said, I was, I was quite, I was 20 at the time, but I looked like I was 16. Yeah. Or 15 in workplaces, I had people. I remember this, particularly this Jamaican woman. She saw me at work. She was like, she walked past, came back again. And then the, the fourth time, 
she looked at me and asked, are you not supposed to be in school? I said, no, I'm working. He said, you are not more than 15. I said, I'm more than 15, ma. She said, no, I'm calling the police. I said, switch yourself. So she left. So uh, when the brothers, you know, saw me, they were like, oh, a young, a young G, you know. Mm. So they were very, very willing to teach me, you know, what to do, how, what not to do, you know, just how to go about yeah. life in general. I remember they took me to this place. It was the first place they took me. They said, this is where you stay and learn your roads. So, um, they took me to this warehouse. It was a Jewish-controlled area in um, down T- Tottenham Hill. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, the warehouse has now been converted to... Um, it's not industrial area anymore. It's, it's now like a residential area. They took me there, said I should work there for two months. And then after I worked there, they started, you know... Um, Connecting me to other businesses, if you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, start, they started giving me other jobs. Let's just put it that way. Like you what? Know? Um, Jobs that I could do. To, On to, the streets? Hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And... So 2006 to 2013, so you were in the UK for seven, for seven mm, years. Yes, seven now, and a half to be precise. when you met um, your fellow Igbo men and they were showing you the ropes, was this still in your first year or when was, when was this? Well, um, most of it was, uh, I arrived, I think, um, it was um, June, June. Was that June 16th? 2006. So most of it was 2006. So um, I think I moved, after that, I moved from my neighborhood to another. And, um, you know, the whole thing is it's like a process. Different parts laid before you. You, you, have, you have those who, you have the drug dealers you, you have the importers. You yeah. have, you have those the Jamaicans who peddle guns. You have, you have so many people. And as a young guy, they want to entice you to because they know uh, the police will never suspect you. But what were your thoughts on all of this? Well, the cri- the criminal um, related ones had more money. So. But at the same time, I was still going to church. (laughs) 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 I was still going to church. So, um, you know, the brothers in the church, they always, you know, did their best to put me, like I say, um, being that young, it was, I was quite impressionable. It was easy for someone for, you know, who's older to influence me. So I also had good guidance from the church. What was your first winter like? It's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) It's embarrassing. All the hair on my legs fell off. (laughs) All the hair on my legs. It was, it was, it was, it was the worst experience. Even um, until now, I do not like cold. Me too. I can't stand cold. Yeah, I do not like cold. Mm -hmm. I hated winter very much. 
I hated winter. Uh, it was actually um, one of the reasons for arguments with me and my landlord all the time because my heater, even when I'm not around, I leave it, has it to on. to be on. Because <laughs> I don't want to come home to a cold bed and so I, li- I leave it on. I don't know how he finds out <laughs> but I left it on, but I, leave, I always leave it on. But I hate, I hate winter. And you know, the London weather is so unpredictable. Like, mm-hmm. Too, you you could get too many too many weathers in just one hour. Yeah, you could it could snow this morning, rain in and the then afternoon. it will rain and 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 you know when the rain falls on the snow, you know what it looks mm-hmm. like. Then the temperature falls below zero and the whole thing just freezes up. And it's very biting. It like bites your skin. Yeah, so sometimes those icy roads, you you slip and fall in. <laughs> sometimes sometimes people laugh at you because <laughs> you know them young boys like they're always looking for something to you know have a laugh about but I, I didn't like I didn't like the winter it's never it's never easy especially the first mm. winter when, yeah, when yeah. you move it's not an easy thing to no, deal I, with I, I didn't like it yeah I didn't like it at all but let's also speak about healthcare. I mean, you spoke about not being able to go back to school, which mm. is the, the main reason you initially moved to the UK mm. um, in hope that you could turn your visitor's visa into a student visa and right. continue with your education. That's right. What about healthcare? How easy, how accessible was healthcare for you as an immigrant? Man, um, if there is something I applaud the UK system for is healthcare. Yeah. They, they have... They have top, top, top-notch healthcare system. Although all the nurses are striking now, they need better pay. But yeah, well, in Nigeria, our doctors are striking. Yes, now. So, <laughs> and so, leaving. Yeah, so they they have they have very good healthcare system. Not not just for um, their own people. It covers whether you are you are an illegal immigrant or not. At least um, I had a GP all through my time there. I could get, go anytime to see my GP without having to pay a dime. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to go to hospital here, let's say down Aja, you want to go to Doreen. I remember once I used Doreen just to tell the doctor, hey, I'm here. It's 25,000 Naira. Consultation. Bam. That's a lot. So, and I, I'm paying that. So what about those who earn much less yeah. than I do? Do you understand? So I applaud the UK system for that. Their NHS is is top. It's definitely mm. not the same in like the states, for example. Yeah, but the NHS, um, it it's it's good because free healthcare is something that should never, ever, ever be underestimated or taken true. for granted. Yeah, true. Um, it's one of when the you basics. start seeing the prices that you're paying out of pocket, like it's it's it's, it's, right, a, it's a blessing. It's one it's one of the basics that yeah. any woman should have. So any government, I I think any government that is ready that you know cares about the people you know when when you have food you have um shelter then there is health everything everything is is done and these things help to reduce basic the, necessities yes it helps to reduce the the level of crime yeah except for those who are ambitious <laughs> 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 it helps to reduce uh the level of crime Although there is, they still have crime there, but it's yeah. petty crimes, you know. So they still have crime there. So. But did you at any point before 2013 think, I'm done here, I, I, I want to move back now? Or was it just when 2013 came that you made that decision? 
I always knew at some point, you know, I'd be Niger boy. <laughs> I'm a Nigerian. Mm -hmm. uh, there is nothing I can do about it. Um, I some some of I had some of my friends who, you know, we we arrived London almost about the same time. Some of them, I remember then when um, when I started, you know, making a bit of money. I started doing a bit of export business. I was I started. Um, I met this Indian guy some somewhere in, in North in Nottinghamshire, and he had he ran a warehouse, um, and I used to uh, purchase electricals from from him. So I would ship it over here to sell. My brother would help me sell it and return the money. And yeah. so um, I. My friends were always asking me, why are you always doing this? Why are you always sending money to Nigeria? And I'm looking at them like, do you think I'm going to stay here forever? <laughs> and he was like, this is your home now. I'm like, nah, this is not home. Yeah. In 2018, migrant remittances to Nigeria stood at 23.63 billion US dollars. That's according to PwC. And by the way, we're 11 times the foreign direct investment coming into the country. By 2021, news reports state that this figure had reached $34 billion. Diaspora remittances continue to boost the gross national income and increase the standard of living for the average Nigerian. This is evidence of how many Nigerians are living abroad and more so, how well Nigerians are doing abroad. And you've been back for 10 years now. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's quite a years, while. Yeah, years, you've been back ten for years, 10 years ten now. Years, yes. What what has that been like? What's it been like since you've been back in Nigeria? Bankruptcy over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone bankrupt three times. Wow. Yeah. Since I came back, it's been it's been um it's been a good learning process. It's been a good learning process. I was not a Lagos boy, you know. I only, it's after I came back then, I came to, I moved to Lagos. I was not a Lagos boy. Now, if you, if you are, I grew up, part of my childhood was in Portacourt, because my dad was, you know, a religious person. So we we're all, always moving around. Yeah. But coming to Lagos, Lagos is a different planet of its own. You have to see See, even if you leave, let's say you lived in Port Harcourt or you lived in Abba, when you come to Lagos, you have to unlearn yeah. and, you, and you have to start. You have to learn how to live in Lagos, how Lagos works. It's its own semi-state in Nigeria. Oh, God. It's, yeah. Lagos will ruin you. <laughs> Lagos will ruin you mentally. So Lagos has dealt yeah, with you. Yeah. Have you but, had any regrets about moving back? No. No. Um, I, I think, um, I may not have all the money I wished for, but I think I am a better person. I have, I have more value for things that actually matter to me personally, because, okay, while I was there, it was just all about trying money, 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 money. That was all there was. Uh, but here, since I came back to Nigeria, okay, I went, um, I went back to school, though I was, 
I was supposed to study medicine. Yeah. I made the cutoff mark at Abbey State University, but they didn't give me, um, they didn't give me the course. They gave me, was it computer science? I'm like, is that what I asked for? <laughs> Why you give me, what's the relationship between computer science and medicine? That's too far. Not even biology, biochemistry, yeah, biochemistry, yeah. <laughs> pharmacy, I mean, or whatever. I mean, pharmacy is too yeah. much to ask now. You know? Not even like something related. You're giving me completely so, different fields. At the end, I ended up uh, actually studying law. Yeah, I ended up studying law. So how is that? It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I think I, I'm glad I did study law more than instead of medicine. Lordson, before we round up, very important last point for us mm-hmm. to touch on. What advice do you have for Nigerians who are looking to relocate and move abroad? No, um, there is this aspect of relocation that actually pains me. Um, the relocation relocation of people you, you you will find out that um the best people are always the people who leave the best thinkers the the uh, the very educated ones the smart ones the quick ones in every way they are always the people who leave and it's a sort of brain drain to the country i think it was one of the problems hitler had with um, Germany, because a lot of Germans were now leaving for the U.S. after the First World War. So there had to be a rehabilitation to make their strong people stay behind. So I think that's where Nigeria is at the moment, where we're having our best minds leaving. And it's, it's very, very sad. So, but at the same time, you can't discourage someone from leaving. Everyone, thing. everyone has a right to, yeah. you know, look for a better day. But, um, but the thing is, is it always better, or is 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 it a fallacy that people think that no matter what, as long as you leave this country, life is going to be better? I think there is a bit of a Cinderella fairy tale type of story to it. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not always that way. It's not always that way. Um. Eight, let me let me let me say seven out of ten people who travel always say, <laughs> "Now why I come here?" <laughs> While I was doing security job, um, I was doing that job with a former manager. He was a bank manager with Savannah Savannah Bank. You remember Savannah Bank? Yeah, back in the desert. Yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was working with him. He said he left his job. You know, he got this visa for himself and his family and, you know, that's some relocation plan. He had some money saved up, so he thought by the time the money finishes, he would have gotten a good job in the banking industry and so on. But he waited and waited. The job didn't come and the money finished. Now you have a bank manager. Working as a security man. Yes, with with a wire holder. That's me. <laughs> matter, of fact, oh. matter of fact, we became good friends. I can imagine. <laughs> we became very good friends. And I was wondering, could that ever be possible in Nigeria? No, man. So um, I think there is a, a, a lot of 
uh, you know, they, they package it too much. Yeah. They package it too much. You have, see, as a Nigerian, our certificates here, it's not valid there. So you have you have people with <clears throat> most of them most most people who travel there are graduates yeah. most of them with masters so you have them at the gates that's the favorite job for Nigerians you have them as yeah. securities no now you have them as secu- working as securities and these are people who can be doing very productive jobs in Nigeria these are people who can be occupying very productive positions yeah and there they are yeah. doing security jobs. Japa is not always as straightforward as it may seem, and I think a key message here is don't relocate without a full plan. Things won't magically work out for you and it will be difficult. That being said, with the current state of Nigeria, can you blame people who relocate without having it all figured out? You can't, and it is what it is. But like Lordson, relocation hasn't worked out for many people, and that's why it's important to have a full understanding of what you're doing before you make that move. Lordson ended up in situations as a young man that he probably didn't want to find himself in, but he was looking for any way to survive. So share this episode around people. You never know, there may be someone in your circle that needs to hear this.